on DraftedFreeAgent.com Mid-Major Podcast, Episode 11. I'm Chris McKee, your host, on a frigid New Year's Day, January 1st, 2021, here in the suburbs of Toronto, Canada. Pretty cold one, but we got a great show today. It's going to be a hot one. There's a good lead-in for you. <laughs> we're, of course, we're going to go through all the key storylines and news from Mid-Major Basketball over the past couple days since my last podcast on Tuesday, which, of course, go check that out. We're going to get back to giving my three betting picks of the week this week. Got a couple games tomorrow. I saw some pretty good lines that uh, I'm going to hit you up at the end of the podcast with. And a special interview today. So I had a great conversation with the head coach of Abilene Christian, Joe Golding. Uh, two days ago, we spoke. We had a really good chat, and I'm going to play the majority of that conversation for you throughout the pod. A little bit different than normal, where I'll just play one or two clips. I'm going to go a little bit more in-depth because Joe just had some great answers and some good stuff, and I thought you'd all want to hear it. So Abilene Christian, 8-2 and two on the season. They are the 2019 Southland champions. And uh, good conversation with Joe, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him as we progress. But first, I want to go through some of the key games over the past week since the last pod on Tuesday. So Tuesday night, one of the big storylines is Wofford beat Mercer 78-65 behind 16 points from Storm Murphy. One of the best names in college basketball, so love that name. So Wofford now moves to 4-3, and three. Mercer down to 7-2, and two, but still looking pretty good right now. One of the key surprises I saw, so Nebraska-Omaha, 2-7 and seven on the season, so not exactly the best mid-major program, but they came within two points of beating Kansas State. And Kansas State, man, I know it's not mid-major, but man, they're having a tough go of it this year. I mean, they got the win. I think they're back to 5-5 five and five right now, but things not looking uh, too shiny for Bruce Weber in Manhattan, Kansas. So speaking of Abilene Christian, I watched their game on Tuesday night. They hammered Dallas Christian 82-44. It took Dallas Christian over five minutes to get their first basket of the game. It was just, you know, men against boys. And D Dallas Christian, I'm assuming D2. And they just... We're completely overmatched. Now, if Abilene Christian kept up their intensity, their defensive intensity, the whole game, and kept their key guys in, because Joe Golding was, you know, mixing in some of the youngsters and that, I think they could have held them to 20 points. It was literally looking like that. It was almost like they took the foot off the gas and just, you know, they, they knew it was over. They didn't want to torture the poor kids, but um, that was a good one to watch. And, of course, Tuesday night, Gonzaga... Hammers Dixie State, 112-67, behind 25 points from Corey Kispert and 21 points from Joel Ayayi, who also had 11 rebounds. Man, he's a rebounding machine, which is crazy to see. Jalen Suggs did not play again. That's a couple of games in a row he's missed. So I think what it is is Mark Few just going to rest him over the uh, the Christmas no need to, to push him because he rolled that ankle earlier in the season against West Virginia. And I know that he's been playing a little ginger on that. And they're claiming it's a right thigh issue. But I think it's just like, look, we don't really need him to beat Dixie State and Tarleton State and roll over these guys, which they did pretty comfortably with the several other NBA players they have on Gonzaga, the number one team in the country. But uh, they're going to be back in action tomorrow versus San Francisco West Coast Conference. That's a 10 p.m. Eastern start, so a late one. So the Zags back soon. Wednesday night, Chattanooga Mocs lost their first game of the season, 77-73 to Furman. Chattanooga was 9-0 and made the case that maybe perhaps, you know, if they, they knocked off Furman, one or two more wins, they should be ranked. But, uh, you know, alas, they've lost and uh, now they got to start that argument all over again. 
Winthrop 7-0 after back-to-back -back nights beating Campbell on Wednesday. It was 84-83, a close one, a little bit of a bigger margin on a Thursday. But Wednesday night, Chandler Vaudrin, 17 points, 8 rebounds. That's the guy that I spoke about in the pod two weeks ago under the Raider player watch. And this guy's one of the top top three or four in the NCAA in assists. And a guy on Twitter pointed this out to me when I posted a video about Chandler, that he's leading the NCAA in triple doubles as well. So, hey, someone out there on Twitter finally gave me some decent information, so thank you for that. And while you're at it, make sure to drop me a line on Twitter, at Mr. McKee, M-C-K-E-E. And, of course, check out all the undraftedfreeagent.com socials. Getting the Instagram going pretty good and the Twitter a little bit behind, but uh, it is there. Please drop us a follow. We're going to build that all throughout 2021. And, of course, check out undraftedfreeagent.com, the website. And then check me out on YouTube. So Chris McKee, M-C-K-E-E, -E, posts a lot of clips uh, you know, I'll take the pod and maybe one or two minute segments and, and post it up on YouTube as well. And of course, on my Twitter and the video I talked about Gonzaga's schedule doing really well. I got about 500 views over the past two days and growing. That one's getting a couple hundred views a day. So cool to see people out there connecting with the podcast in different ways. But anyways, back to some of the scores I saw over the week. Mentioned Winthrop now 7-0. Watch the entire Belmont win over Murray State. Two really good teams. I talked about Tevin Brown on Murray State, guy I really like. Murray State now 4-4, four and four, but Belmont 9-1 after the win, 68-55. It's funny, you know, Rick Bird, Belmont coach, retires and a new regime in and really no change. There's really not one or two guys that stood out to me on Belmont. Like, wow, that guy's a player. They just, the most consistent team in the OVC, it's frustrating to play against them because I don't think they do anything spectacular other than win, you know, just about every single night. So Belmont 9-1, that's a team I'm definitely going to keep a closer eye on over the next couple of podcasts and try to see if I can wrangle an interview with uh, someone with the program. So one of the cool stories from Wednesday night, Eastern Illinois senior Max Smith set an NCAA record with 89 consecutive games hitting a three. So that's amazing to see. So he beat Corey Bradford's record of 88 straight games, who was a former Illinois player. And so congrats to Max Smith in Eastern Illinois. Awesome. And so good things for Eastern Illinois uh, in the OVC. So on Thursday, this is a game I watched a little bit of. I'm really fascinated with Boise State. Man, that's a good team. That's a team. As far as the mid-majors, you've got to check out Boise. They're going to be in the conversation uh, in the Mountain West and perhaps come March. But uh, Boise State beat San Jose State on Thursday, 106-54, which is the largest margin of victory in school history. See the kind of damage they're doing there at Boise State. And that was behind 23 points. From Derek Alston Jr., who was a guy that I spoke about in one of the previous pods, as well as Abu Kigab with 12 points and 14 rebounds. Good Canadian boy. I had Abu on our preseason All-Canadian list. We ranked, you know, you've all heard the preseason All-Americans. Well, we did the preseason All-Canadian. I enlisted the help of some pretty well-known sports writers and uh, NCAA coaches and you can check that out on undraftedfreeagent.com. So Abu Kigab on that preseason All-Canadian list. The dude can play 12 points, 14 rebounds for Boise. Watch out for the Broncos over the next couple weeks. So congrats to South Carolina Upstate getting their first win of the season, 60-55 over High Point. This is a team that I watched them play Winthrop a couple weeks ago, and they were, what, 0-9, I think, going into this. And I was like, it's not a bad team. I know they're, they're winless, but they had some fight in them. Something, And you can still see the kids had energy. They wanted to play. They were getting closer. And so congrats to them beating High Point. 
High Point, of course, coached by Tubby Smith, the former Kentucky coach and a legend. And, you know, seeing these results with Tubby over the past couple years, I think it may be time for Tubby to, to retire or go take an assistance job with one of the major programs. You know, Tubby has been the head coach at Kentucky, Minnesota, Memphis, Georgia, Tulsa. The guy's had an unbelievable career. Hall of Fame college coach. He's amazing. What I'm saying right now, it doesn't look like he's got it anymore. So since he took over at High Point, which is his alma mater, they're 25 and 44. So year one, they went 16 and 15. So, you know, the previous coach left him a couple of players. He goes 16 and 15. Okay, not bad, but, you know, you brought in Tubby Smith to, to make High Point a 20-plus win team. So year two, he goes 9 and 23 last year. And then right now, he's 3 and 6. And, you know, this is, I've reached out to Tubby a number of times trying to get some interviews back from when I was with Mid-Major Madness, my own site, a couple other sites I've written for, you know, even TSN and that, no, 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 won't do interviews. And so here's a guy that's kind of, you know, not willing to promote the program. The program's losing. I know it's his alma mater and a guy like Tubby Smith's going to get a pass, but it just doesn't look like he's got the motivation. You know, and trust me, I, I can relate to that. You know, I was an agent in the music business for 20 years. And the hunger I had as a 26, 27-year-old agent in the business than I did as a, you know, 40-year-old agent, it's significantly different. Your interests in life change, everything changes. Like I said, when I was 27, I would be out in a nightclub, out schmoozing, industry parties, studios, connecting with people six nights a week. You know, then you get to 37, you're like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe you go out once a month, right? Because you're like, what's the motivation? I know everyone, but that hunger goes, and to me, the hunger completely gone with Tubby, and uh, High Point's not happening. Go get a young guy, go get someone hungry, someone that's willing to promote the program, to do press, to actually do interviews, to talk about what's happening there, and maybe win some more games better than 25 and 44 down at High Point. So one of the games I did see, and it's not... Uh, mid-major. I watched Michigan beat Maryland. Uh, what was that last night? So heading into the game, the Wolverines ranked number 16. And let me tell you something. That's a top five team in the country. Like I know, look, hey, there's a mid-major connection. I'll get there. So one of the best players on Michigan right now is a grad transfer from Columbia, a kid named Mike Smith. So last year at Columbia, this guy was sixth in the NCAA in scoring with 22.8 points per game, little undersized. And I know that was a bit of a concern for Jawan Howard bringing him in, but I watched, I've seen Michigan play three times right now. They are one of the five best teams in the country, and Mike Smith looks damn good, the Columbia grad transfer, so congrats to him. You know, a lot of times, you know, those kids making that jump up, the grad transfer, you know, from mid-major teams, a guy like that who's had a ton of success at Columbia, and it doesn't always work out. You know, it's maybe it's a little bit too much for them or, you know, the coach brings them there with some promises and they just end up getting buried on the benches and insurance in case, you know, one of the four or five star kids they bring into a place like Michigan gets hurt. But Mike Smith, a key, key contributor, bunch of big plays. I loved him. And the Michigan Wolverines, look, hey, I know it's mid-major podcast, but I think the Wolverines, one of the top five teams in the country, no doubt an elite A team. And then who knows? So, Watch out for them come tournament time. So, I want to get to my interview now with Joe Golding, the head coach of Abilene Christian. Mentioned off the top of the show, Abilene, 8-2 and two on the season. They're in the Southland Conference, which has been predominantly dominated by Stephen F. Austin over the past, I don't know, seven, eight years or so. 
But now Abilene Christian winning their first Southland Championship in 2019. So Joe able to take this program from Division Two in 2013-14. That was their first year in D1. And they, the first couple of years in D1, they are brutal. They were one of the worst programs in the country. And Joe talked a little bit about that in my interview. And, you know, he's, he's proud that he's, he's built. And he's a, that's his alma mater. So he played four years at Abilene Christian when they were a D2 program. And went on to be a high school coach, JUCO coach. He was an assistant at Arkansas Little Rock for three years. And uh, he's really doing some great things right now at Abilene Christian. So I had a chance to chat with him. Check out this is my interview with Joe Golding, head coach, Abilene Christian. So, Joe, thanks for joining me here on the UndraftedFreeAgent.com mid-major podcast. You're off to a great start to the season, 8-2 and two through the first 10 games. What's been working well for you guys right now? Yeah, you know, um, I think a couple things. One, um, you know, with our record, I think, you know, the first thing is we had a bunch of guys back from last year. Um, so I think that obviously helped us um, tremendously in the start of the season, especially with COVID, you know, with so many pauses and so many stoppages. And it's so difficult for teams that have brought in a lot of new players to kind of get their team together uh, and form any type of consistency or continuity. We kind of already had that in place. So I think we had a head start in that regard with other people. So I think that's definitely played in our favor. I think other teams, as, as we continue to move forward, I think you're seeing it all around the country. I think college basketball is getting better um, each and every time people go out just because we've had more time to practice and play. I think that's one, one thing, Chris. I think the other thing is with our schedule, you know, we obviously played in a tournament in Florida against some really, really good teams right off the bat. And then we came back and played Tarleton, who's obviously transitioning to Division Two. But uh, Coach Gillespie's there, does a great job, great coach. Had played A&M to, I think, a five- or six-point game before us. And then after that, with COVID, uh, we kind of hit this little, you know, stretch here. We played a lot of non-Division One games. And, you know, you can put that on COVID with scheduling. It was difficult to schedule. You could put that on. You know, we wanted to play games in Abilene, so we didn't have our guys traveling a ton in December. And then, um, you know, and so I think it's it's been hard for us to be consistent. You know, we, we played obviously really good basketball through the, the Florida, the Texas Tarleton, the Texas Tech game. And then we had this stretch where we played some nons and then obviously played Arkansas. So, uh, you know, the schedule's been a little bit unbalanced. It's been kind of hard to motivate our teams at times. But I think we got through it. And obviously, you know, in non-conference play, you want to test your team and see a lot of different styles. I think we were able to do that. So, Joe, I watched the entire game against Texas Tech. And a little unfortunate, you guys came out short end of the stick on that one. But I thought you were competitive, you know, up until about the last 60 seconds of the game. You had a great chance to win it. A couple sloppy turnovers late. But despite the loss, does that give you guys and your team some belief that, you know, you can play with just about anybody in the country? Yeah, you know, I think, Chris, that's the next step for our program. You know, I think we obviously went to the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago, won 27 games, and, uh, but I think it was kind of a, a shock to everybody when it happened. It just happened so early, right after the transition. Um, and I don't think we were obviously prepared for that moment. You know, we drew Kentucky, which was a bad draw for multiple reasons. Not only were they a great basketball team with length and size, you know, it was Kentucky, and I think we were in awe of the whole deal. You know, hindsight 2020, it looked good, though, for our program. Obviously, we got a ton of exposure playing Kentucky, so there were some good things that came from that. And then, you know, carried over last year, we won 20 games, and we were able to build some consistency, finish second place in our league, and I think had a chance to play for the NCAA tournament again. Um, and then, you know, the next step, I guess, for us would be to be able to compete with these high majors. You know, obviously, you want to get back to the NCAA tournament, but you want to win a game. So, you look at the Tech and Arkansas games, I think both of those teams will be in the NCAA tournament. I think they're both top 25 teams. 
they're obviously different. Tech's more defensive structured. And then, uh, you know, they take care of the ball offensively and kind of grind you on that end. But it's, it's almost darn near impossible to score against them. Arkansas obviously can, I think, can score as good as any team as we play since I've been here on the offensive end. So I, I think we saw two different styles of what we had seen in the NCAA tournament in the first round. Um, and obviously, I think we've closed the gap. You know, we went to Tech to get in a one or two possession game. And then Arkansas, you know, there was they jumped on us early. We were able to come back. We got it to eight or nine. You know, had a chance, just couldn't quite get over the hump. So I think those two games will give our team some confidence down the road that we can continue to build this program and continue to, you know, to play with those guys. And eventually, if you keep knocking at the door long enough, you know, eventually uh, you're going to win one of those games. Yeah, I was going to get to the NCAA tournament stuff, but you mentioned it there, and uh, you had the pleasure of leading Abilene Christian to their first appearance ever in the NCAA tournament. You know, what did that appearance mean for you guys in the program, and uh, how special was it? Yeah, it was just a, a really cool deal, uh, Chris. You know, for me being a former player here um, and how far this program had gone, you know, there was a time, you know, if you've, uh, and I'm sure you have, you've researched it, uh, you know, through the transition, um, you know, we were the, one of the worst Division One basketball programs in the country, and that just wasn't because we had bad players. It was me trying to learn as a coach. Uh, the transition is darn near impossible. Uh, I, I don't know how teams do it. Uh, it's hard to navigate now with four years. You can't play any postseason. You know, I tell people all the time, I don't know if I'd have let my son come play in that environment. It's just tough. You know, you get to February and you're not playing for anything in, in February and March. It's just it's a, it's, a, it's a daunting task. And so to go from one of the worst Division One teams in the country through all that and then and continue to, to build it to where uh, you make the NCAA tournament, I, I just it was so gratifying for me to see the smiles on our players' faces. You know, those seniors were freshmen when we were one of the worst teams in the country. They stuck together. They continued to work really hard. They continued to develop. And then, you know, their story ends. They, they win 27 games and make the NCAA tournament. They'll be forever known as the first team in Abilene Christian history to do that. So really cool story. I think there was a lot of pride. Not only I did I have pride, I think our staff had pride. I think our former players that were a part of the transition in the rough days that built the culture that's kind of set the stage for all that to happen. I just think there was a lot of pride from those players um, and just a lot of pride in our community and our university when that happened. You know, again, to my point earlier, I think it happened quick. You know, um, I don't think that things were in, in place yet for all that stuff to happen, but uh, it did happen. We were fortunate for it to happen. And I think the biggest thing from that point moving forward was just to kind of continue to build consistency moving forward. But it was a, it was a, it was a really cool deal. You mentioned your playing days there, and you're doing a great job of leading me into my next question. But uh, four years playing for Abilene Christian, 10 years as a coach. What is it about the community and the program that keeps you sticking around? Yeah, you know, I just think I two things. Number one, I think you have, again, a lot of pride. I was a former player here. Um, we won when I was a player. We won when I was an assistant coach and, um, again, wanted to win as a head coach. It, it obviously has not been easy with the transition. I would never do it again. I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. But through that transition, there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that we went through. We had a vision that we were trying to sell. It was strictly a vision, uh, and, and we had to get some guys and some players to buy into that vision uh, for it to become a reality. Now it's obviously a reality. You know, the, the, our guys now expect to win. Our juniors that, that are uh, in our program now came into this year, we have won in 47 games. They expect to win, compete for championships. So the culture has changed. We're building a $48 million new arena uh, on campus. And so 
Uh, I think all those things, I think when you, anytime you invest so much time into something uh, and, it, and you kind of put your stamp on it, there's a, there's a huge investment in that. There's pride in that. And you want to continue to build that um, and, and you don't want to lose it. And then, you know, the other side of it is just the exciting things that our administration and our campus are doing to support our men's basketball program now that we've had success. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any secret in Division One athletics. You have to have a president that cares about athletics. You have to have an athletic director that understands the importance of men's basketball at this low major level and what it can do for a university. Um, I think our university saw that when we made the NCAA tournament, and now they're starting to invest in that as we move forward uh, to allow us to continue to compete. And um, so when, when uh, I, I would say the third thing too, Chris, is, is uh, I don't mind being completely transparent and honest. Through the, tr- through the transition, there was obviously some bad days. And again, we were one of the worst teams. And uh, the administration here, I went through three ADs. This is my third AD now. Um, and so you can call it luck. You can call it whatever you want. But they were they stuck with us. They, they stuck with myself. They, they stuck with a the vision. They didn't give up on us. They, they saw it through. So I think there's some ownership to me towards them in that, that, you know, they stuck with me. They were loyal to me and let us build it. And in a world today where that doesn't happen very often, you know, but we felt like at this level, at the low major level, you got to build it with a culture. Uh, we had to build it with some kids that believed in Abilene Christian, the mission of this university. We, we, we believed in developing guys. And, and if you do that with high school kids, it's going to take some time. Uh, and the administration stuck with us through that. And so obviously I think they're seeing the payoff on that. And I'm very, uh, loyal to them for sticking with us. So, Joe, before I worked in the sports industry, I was an agent for 20 years representing Grammy winners. You know, I produced concerts for everyone from Rihanna, the Black Eyed Peas, the Roots. And one of the things I've seen in my career is people struggling with the loss of fame. And it's very hard for them to deal with. And, you know, you had a a little slice of fame back in 2019 at the NCAA tournament. And, you know, a bit of a rock star for a week or two. And then after that, you got to go back to the following season, maybe playing in some smaller gyms, not on national TV. Was there any kind of come down or crash or any challenges dealing with that, you know, famous for a few weeks and then kind of back to just being, you know, the head coach at Adeline Christian again? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Um, you know, and I think that's something we're battling with right now um, with our program is we're, we're, we've kind of been under the radar for a while here. You know, we felt like we've built this program that's been successful the last two or three years, but we're out here in West Texas, kind of the middle of nowhere. You know, Lubbock's about two and a half hours away. They've obviously had a ton of success, and we've just kind of been hidden. Um, and then this year, we've, we've obviously gained some exposure through the national media with what, we're, what we've done, and people are starting to learn about our program. And that's been really hard for me to navigate with our guys is, you know, it's the first time we've kind of gotten some exposure in, in a world with social media. Uh, our kids always, you know, kind of on that and listening to that. You know, I, th- I think we're ha- we're trying to, to navigate that right now with our team. As far as me, you know, no, I'm a pretty simple person, Chris. Um, you know, I, I uh, grew up here in West Texas. Uh, I never got into the business for fame. Um, obviously, like anybody, I want to compete at the highest level, um, and I, I want to compete uh, – with the best there is out there. And, and uh, I think that any competitor wants that opportunity. But at the same time, I'm a simple guy. I like to coach basketball. Uh, I love coaching my players. These guys, they let us coach them really, really hard. They go to class every day. They make the right decisions. We have really, really good kids that are fun to be around. I sleep really, really good at night. Um, and so there's a lot of joy in that. So I never get caught up in the fame. Uh, my best friend in the business, uh, I think it's been pretty well documented, is Chris Beard. Uh, Chris and I have been friends for over 20 years. 
So if, if I want to live in the, in, the, in the rock star life, I just drive two and a half hours and go hang out with him for a little bit, <laughs> live, 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 the, live the five star yeah. uh, lifestyle. But I, I kind of enjoy uh, I kind of enjoy being off the beaten path, and that's kind of how my career has been, Chris. I I've always kind of been that guy that's uh, always had a chip on his shoulder, always had to uh, work uh, my butt off to get to where I'm at. Nothing was ever given to me. So I, I've kind of enjoyed the path that this is this is taking me. The, the irony of it is, you know, you always want to be, you know, when I built the sea, I wanted to be known as a guy that built this program the right way and did it with the right kids and did it, you know, uh, in a successful way. Something that our our university could be proud of and our donors and alumni. But you know, they, then you go play Kentucky and you know, first time for me too in that environment of a press conference. And you know, I made that comment about coaching with a hole in my butt and, and never thought it was anything about it until. I get back on the bus after that practice an hour later and my phone shuts off because of all the social media traffic that got. So uh, I don't think I'll ever be known as a good coach. I'll always be known as that guy with a hole in the butt, you know? So you got to be known for something, though, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, that's an awesome answer. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. I appreciate that. So, you know, when recruiting guys to Abilene Christian, what are some of the key core values you look at as both a player off the court and on the court that makes you want to bring them into your program? Yeah, the first thing we, we, we look for is a fit for the university. You know, you don't necessarily have to be a, uh, you know, a, a Christian kid that goes to church seven days uh, a week or anything like that. But we want them to understand the mission of our university is definitely Christian-based, uh, that they're going to have to go to chapel and that uh, they're going to have to take some Bible classes throughout their journey here and that it will definitely be uh, a part of their journey here. So we definitely approach that right off the bat and make sure that's something they're comfortable with. The second thing we look for is obviously the academic side of it. You know, our, our institution values academics at a very high level. Um, our guys are not by any means given a degree. Um, we, we don't have any online, very few online classes, uh, although we're getting better with that with COVID, like everybody. But, um, you know, we, we go to class every day. Our, it's a small community of 4,000 people. Our professors are going to know who they are. They're going to know when they're in class, when they're not in class. If they're not in class, our professors are going to, make sure that, uh, you know, the academic staff notifies the coaches that they're not there. So yeah, it has to be somebody that wants to go to class, that, that wants to get an education and values that. And then I think the third thing we look for, obviously, on the basketball side is just the tangibles that they can bring to our program. We look for kids with a chip on their shoulder. And that's, you know, I wouldn't say under-recruited kids, but, you know, kids that, you know, maybe not, not necessarily on everybody's radar. We like the kid that's hungry. Uh, we like the kid that has something to prove. We like the kid that wants to work. You know, we look for a kid that, that values team basketball. You know, each and every year we evaluate our team, and, and we're going to play the way that best fits our team. But if, if you had it, if we had it to draw it up, we liked uh, to play team basketball. We liked multiple guys scoring the basketball. We liked the basketball to be shared uh, on the offensive end. We like to play inside out. Um, you know, obviously the old school basketball of getting to the free throw line and uh, doing some of those types of things. So we value kids that do that. We look for kids that win. You know, I think that's contagious whether you won in junior high, whether you won in high school. Um, if you were a junior college kid, did you win there? And, and so we look at that, you know, what, what's your, what's your kind of win loss record? And, and kind of that kind of tells the story about a kid. So I think that's something we look at. I look at kids that play multiple sports. I like kids that play football. Uh, I played football growing up out here. Um, and so I, I think football breeds a little toughness too. And so, uh, you know, sometimes that adds some value to a kid, but you know, there's obviously, you know, different things that you evaluate. There's, it's not, uh, it's not a perfect science. Sometimes you hit, sometimes you don't hit. Um, we've been very fortunate to hit. We've, we've got a great group of kids. I think that's one thing that's interesting, Chris, you know, we have not had a kid transfer out of here, I think in almost like five or six years, I don't know the exact number. And, and in a world today where everybody transfers, especially when you're developing high school kids, 
you know, we have it now. We have a really good group of freshmen right now. We have three scholarship freshmen and one walk-on. And they're not getting to play a ton of minutes right now because we have so many juniors and seniors in our program that have developed and are really good players. But they kind of develop these freshmen along the way, and the freshmen understand their opportunities coming. And so, you know, that's, we're really fortunate in that. But I think that's a lot to say about our staff. I think we value real relationships off the floor. We have a saying in our program, we're going to coach you really, really hard between the lines, but we're going to love you harder outside the lines. And we, we really value relationships. And I don't like to say that a lot because I know everybody today, just, you know, the buzzword is culture around everywhere, but, um, and everybody uses it. But, you know, I like to think we've been doing this a long time and, and we really value relationships with our guys off the floor. They know we love them. They know we care about them. And when you have to make hard decisions and you have to coach them hard between the lines, I think they understand that you love them and you care for them and you're doing what's best for them. And they trust you on that. And we've had success with that. They've seen players go through our program that have played minimal minutes early in their career that have gone on to be first team all league players or players of the year in our league. And I think that, that there's some trust in that, in, in that now, and, and uh, it's part of, of who we are. So I was having a look at your roster last night, and you mentioned you know no, no transfers out, but um, no transfers in. Did I read that right? Because that's like, I mean, everyone, every coach I've talked to has talked about getting old, but uh, it seems like you preach the you know bringing kids in from high school and developing them that way. Yeah, we, we did. We don't. We, we did not get any transfers either. Two years ago, we lost. I think it was seven. You'd have to, I'd have to look back. Six or seven seniors. And so we actually signed um, three junior college players. It was the first time in probably four years that we had signed a junior college player. We just felt like we needed to stay old. The junior college players were a little unique. One was at Ranger Junior College, which was right down the street, about 30 minutes. We were able to build a great relationship with him. Uh, he was coached by Coach Gillespie, who Coach Gillespie spent a lot of time down here when he was at Ranger Junior College watching us practice, coming to our games. He has some family that still lives in Abilene, so he was around our program. So we felt very comfortable with him. Reggie Miller was another one of our junior college players, but he had played at Texas State as a freshman for Danny Casper. Uh, one of our assistant, two of our assistant coaches, actually one coach with Danny Casper, the other one played for Danny. So we had a really good familiarity with him, and he went on to Seward Junior College as a sophomore and played for Jason Sauter, who had uh, worked under Mark Adams, who now obviously is at Texas Tech. And so we had a lot of trust in that. And then we signed Makai Morris from Cochise, who came recommended to us from a buddy that I used to work with at Little Rock uh, that lives in Philly. So, you know, we were careful in how we did that. You know, I, I think if you asked us how we want to recruit, we want to recruit with high school kids and develop them. We've gotten back to that model with this last class with, with, with three high school guys. But, uh, you know, we're not against, you know, recruiting in any way. Ultimately, we want to win. But we also want some consistency in this program. And I think, you know, every level is different, Chris. I haven't been at other levels. Uh, if you got to another level, then you might have to do it a different way. Um, I know a bunch of people now at the, at the high major level are doing it with transfers. We just feel it at that, that our niche here at our university, what fits this, this place and what fits us is kind of staying away from that model and, and just kind of recruiting high school guys and develop them. But, uh, you know, obviously if there's a transfer out there down the road that, that fits us and, and what we do, we're not against taking it. Awesome. So, Joe, I'm thankful for your time. Last question, you know, assuming all goes ahead as planned, goals for the rest of the season at Abilene Christian for you and your program. Yeah, I know it probably sounds cliche, uh, but we, we say it every day in our program. We just tr kind of trust the process around here. We've done this for years. That way, uh, you know, we kind of changed three three or four years ago. We I used to be caught up like any young coach new to this. Uh, you know, I wanted to I would talk to our team about winning 20 games every year, setting goals on wins and setting goals on getting to the tournament and all that. And we can't, we quit doing that, that crap around here. We just started trusting the process, trying to get better each and every day. 
you know, every conference game is around. So, you know, Saturday against Lamar is round one. We've got 16 rounds, God willing, with COVID this year that we can get in. And we just try to trust the process on that and, and take care of each round as they come, you know, kind of win the day, get better each and every day. And we feel if we do that, we look up in March, we're going to be put in a position that uh, we're going to be happy with and, and it's going to give us a chance to go to the state tournament. There's no secret. We're not a multi-bid league here. It's a one-bid league. You know, there's eight teams in our league right now that get to Katy for the NCAA tournament uh, chance uh, out of 13 teams. We want to be one of those eight that have a chance to play for, you know, for the NCAA tournament. So, again, just, just living day by day here, trying to trust the process and, and hopefully looking up in March and putting our guys in a, in, in a situation where they have a chance at it. So there's Joe Golding, head coach Abilene Christian. I thought that was a really great interview. Um, you know, it's funny. I thought I talked fast, and then you listen to Joe. He talks a heck of a lot faster than us. So watch out for Abilene Christian, man. That's that's going to be a team that's definitely going to be in the conversation for Southland champs, and you may be seeing them in the NCAA tournament. So I wanted to finish off today's pod with my betting picks. Didn't get to it last week. So the first week, a little rough, 0-2. One game got canceled, the UAB-Georgia Tech game. So that's a wash. But uh, today, I, I looked at a couple games for tomorrow, really like, and here's three picks that uh, maybe, maybe uh, scoop a few bucks on. So first, Chattanooga minus three over VMI. So mentioned earlier in the pod, Chattanooga nine and one, and uh, coming off their first loss to Furman, 77-73, so competitive, and I think they're going to do everything in their power to kind of get back on track, off to a great start, and going to be in the conversation in the SOCON. It's a good team, man. Chattanooga beat UAB. It's one of the better Conference USA programs, so I like Chattanooga minus three, bouncing back after the loss to Furman, and winning comfortably over VMI. VMI's lost three in a row, so I think it's going to be four. Game number two, I like Mercer getting 11.5 points versus Furman. Furman keeps coming up in our conversations here. So Mercer 7-2 on the season, and uh, but they've lost two of their last three. So off to a great start. A little bit cooled off right now, which is why I think that line a little bit out of whack. And so I'm not saying Mercer's going to win. They definitely have a chance to, but I think this is going to be a much closer game. I think it's a four or five point game. So take Mercer and the 11.5 points. And then finally, game number three, Colorado State plus nine and a half versus San Diego State. So Colorado State five and one right now. I checked out a little bit of them earlier this week. Some of the highlights. It's a pretty good team, man. Their only loss on the season to St. Mary's. And then San Diego State, of course, six and one. And they're only lost to BYU, but I think San Diego State a little overrated. You know, I think they're still getting a little bit of that love from last year, but, you know, they lose guys to the NBA and Malachi Flynn and that, and they haven't really got into that challenging part of their schedule yet. But, um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado State won outright. But nine and a half points, I think this is a much closer game. Three, four, five points. Take Colorado State in the points, and best of luck. So, Thanks for joining me. Episode 11 of this podcast. Hope you enjoy the interview with Joe Golding from Abilene Christian. Hope you have some luck with my picks. And of course, click subscribe wherever you listen to us. iTunes, drop a rating, Spotify, whatever. Of course, check out the website, undraftedfreeagent.com. Drop me a line on Twitter, at Mr. McKee, M-R-M-C-K-E-E. And of course, follow all the socials. And hey, Happy New Year. We're doing this New Year's Day. Hopefully 2021, a lot better than 2020. The beating of my heart.